You're listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go, a podcast that'll change how you think and change your life. I'm Willie Horton and I'm a psychologist. I've been helping people change their lives since 1996. Broadcasting from the French Alps and delighted to have you along. Let's take this week's step in the right direction. Leaving aside the craziness that we read about online or in the news or on social media, day in, day out. Leaving aside the moments of madness that lead people to kill other people, never mind some people to plan to kill lots of people, leaving all of that aside, in the cut and thrust of our everyday lives, we're living in a world I was going to say gone mad, but it is a world that always has been mad, or at least has been mad since the advent of tribalism some 7,000 years ago or thereabouts. We know from our previous conversations that our brains developed in a way to ensure that the adversary that posed the greatest threat to our survival something that is a man-eating or woman-eating beast, dictated the way in which our minds developed, the way in which the very fabric of our brains developed. But back in those days, when we were hunter-gatherers, everybody looked after everybody else. Everybody had the role. Everybody knew their role. Everybody worked for the greater good. It was only with the advent of agricultural development and the advent of, as I said a minute ago, tribalism, that some people decided that having banded together, they wanted what other people had. And it's been downhill ever since. We talked about tribalism a few weeks ago in relation to which football club you follow which religion you belong to, which nationality you are. And they're only the obvious ones that immediately spring to mind. The problem we're posed with, though, as normal crazy adults, is that our brains haven't adjusted to the fact that we don't need what other people have. We don't need to take from other people. We don't need to hurt other people. And we don't need anything that we don't have already assuming that we have the basics. Now, obviously, the most basic thing that we all need to have at our disposal, moment to moment, is our breath. Appreciate that with every breath that you take. Obviously, we can't achieve or strive for our goals and objectives if we don't have our health. So if you are healthy right now, appreciate that. I was talking to somebody yesterday who told me that at one point during lockdown, that would be three years ago at this stage, she started suffering from panic attacks. She couldn't adjust to the fact that she wasn't seeing, I suppose, the members of her tribe every day at work. And she began to realize that the panic attacks that obviously started between her own two ears had a major impact on her physical health. Now, this was the start of her journey on the road to self-awareness. This was a realization that mind and body are linked. 
And as her studies progressed, and as she and I encountered each other about six months ago, she began to realize that the most important thing that she has at her disposal moment to moment, day to day, is the very fact that she is alive and kicking and that she has managed through managing her state of mind to manage her state of physical health as well. By coincidence, although there's no such thing, I had another interesting conversation with somebody a little earlier today who talked about how, being only human, he still reacted to certain situations that he would have blown a fuse about a number of years ago. He said, I've greatly calmed down and I don't react like the way in which I used to react, but I am only human. And the conversation that ensued was not so much that we react to situations, but what we do when we are aware that we are reacting to situations. Do we stop it or do we run with the automatic reaction? Because, as he said to me himself as well, I told you there was a coincidence here, he noticed that when he reacted, he felt it in his body, he felt it in his stomach, he felt it in his gut. And he said that when he used to be a bit of a hothead a number of years ago, his health wasn't what it now is. There is a direct connection between mind and body. Or let me put it more simply than that. Your mind and body are part of the same unit. Mind, body, spirit, all part of the one thing. And though we appear to be a physical manifestation of body, and mind, in this case, the mind being the piece of equipment between your two ears, or as psychology would define mind, mind is what the brain does. So let's stick to the physicality of it for a moment. Although you appear to be physically solid, body and a brain, clearly the brain is part of your body, and clearly how you manage what's going on in your brain will actually impact not just your brain, but the neurotransmitters that fly around various neuropathways in your brain and the various enzymes and chemicals that are injected into your system as a result of what's going on in your head. The classic one, obviously, is cortisol. We've talked about that before. We've talked about how the stress response, which is built into us from those days that predate agriculture and tribalism, we've talked about how the stress response, which saved our lives maybe eight or 9,000 years ago, is now slowly killing us as a result of the manner in which cortisol is immediately pumped into the system. When the stress response is triggered, or more to the point, when we trigger the stress response. Stress doesn't happen. Stress is something you do to yourself. In exactly the same way, my friend, who I mentioned a second a couple of minutes ago, the guy who is only human and still reacts to situations, made the point to me as we had that conversation a little earlier, that everything, every experience in his life is actually an inner experience. It's all down to what is going on, to quote him, between your own two ears. Now, the interesting thing is that he had just talked about how he reacts to situations which are clearly external. Situations don't stress us. People don't stress us. The madness of normal, crazy people 
has no impact on us at all until we think it so. Stress and the cortisol that goes with it and the heightened heart rate that goes with it and the heightened blood pressure that goes with it and the enhanced production of fatty LDL cholesterol that blocks up the cardiovascular system that goes with cortisol. Cortisol injected into the system and the damage it does to the digestive system and how it compromises seriously the immune system. All of this is not as a result of what is going on around you. It is as a result of you deciding, it's a choice that you make, I am going to be stressed. Now, the fact that the stress response is inherently hardwired into us is no excuse for you as an adult in the 21st century continuing to make the mistake of allowing your automatic pilot automatically choose the stress response for you in situations that don't demand it. Uh, more clearly, unless you're standing in the middle of a train track and your foot is stuck in the level crossing and there's an express train coming at you, or unless you are actually confronted by a man or woman eating beast, or unless you find yourself in the midst of a motor accident that will obviously feel as if it's taking place in slow motion, unless you are in those circumstances, you don't need the stress response. The interesting thing is that if you are or find yourself in any of those life-threatening situations, the stress response will automatically enable you to do what you need to do to ensure that you survive. Or, at the very least, survival may, may not be possible, but at the very least, you do your very best. And that is why, for example, in a road traffic accident, everything will slow down. Because what is actually happening is your thinking mind has been put on pause and your doing mind is ensuring that moment to moment you are fully aware of what is going on and more importantly, fully aware of what you need to do to survive the life-threatening situation. But beyond those life-threatening situations in which we actually need the stress response and indeed in which the stress response will be so automatic that we can't do anything about it. Beyond those situations, the fact that the stress response is wired into every time you see somebody who gets up your nose or every time somebody cuts out in front of you in traffic or every time you go into work and say to yourself, I don't want to do this job, just because the stress response is built into you is not a valid excuse for you being stressed. You're an adult, grow up, take responsibility for your own state of mind. And in taking responsibility for your own state of mind, you take responsibility for your actions, which are completely different than reactions. And you take responsibility for your own health and well-being and presence of mind, thereby ensuring that you are in the moment sufficiently to ensure that you don't just look after yourself and your own well-being, but that you look after those around you too. That is why, for example, when our doing mind is in full flow in, in one of those life-threatening situations that I mentioned a minute ago, that is why 
in exactly the same way in those life-threatening situations the thinking mind is parked that is why people often experience what they might be described as they're having superhuman powers they do things that they would never have considered doing themselves i saw an interview with a young guy who has become known in France over the last week as the backpack hero. He's the guy who actually chased the perpetrator who was knifing two and three-year-old children in their pushchairs and buggies in a playground in Ansi, just about an hour from where I'm sitting at the moment. This guy attacked the knife man by swinging his backpack at him and then chased him, even though the knife man tried to stab him. He was asked afterwards, what were you thinking about? And his answer was very clear. I wasn't thinking. There was no time to think. It was instinctive. What I did, anybody would do. Now, the fact of the matter is that a lot of people were running in the other direction when our backpack hero was actually chasing this guy. But it is a classic example articulated so clearly of how the doing mind gives you superhuman powers when you need them. Now, the interesting thing is that if I take the comment made by my friend a little while ago, that he's only human, take that and remember that for a moment. Hold it in your mind for a moment. If you take that comment, I'm only human, actually what we need are superhuman powers all of the time. Instead, what do I get? I get emails, I get Zooms, I get telephone calls, I still get the odd telephone call, people living in the dark ages. I, I get communications from people who tell me all kinds of madness. Now, at least they're ringing me and at least they're aware of the madness. From the guy a few years ago who rang me one morning and said that he'd had a sleepless night, tossing and turning, worried, sick. I said to him, what were you worried about? He said, I was worried that I have nothing to worry about. Now, that That's like anything, like any story I ever tell here. That's the God honest truth. That's a true story. Somebody else told me a couple of weeks ago, and I said this in a podcast a couple of weeks ago, that the individual was frustrated because he was frustrated. So now we have double frustration. We have people reacting to situations like my friend that I talked to a little earlier on, who many years ago probably would have hit somebody in a fit of pique because not only was he human, he was a normal crazy human at the time. He has become increasingly aware, not only of his own behavior, but he has become increasingly aware of what his behavior is doing to him or for him, and those around him. If I'm completely in flow, and we're aware of that term, it's a term coined by the University of Chicago and Mahali Chitsent Mahai. If you are in flow, you're experiencing that bending of time that I mentioned a few minutes ago when you find yourself in a life-threatening situation. You actually have more time on your hands to do what you need to do, and as a result of which you do it with less effort. The science is clear. The science has been well documented for decades at this stage. When you are in flow, when your mind is tuned in, you're pumping a whole different set of chemicals 
into your system. Or more to the point, you are allowing the electromagnetic pulse of your own body harmonize, synchronize, and become coherent so that mind and body are completely as one, so that your actions are fluid and effortless. Your behavior simply happens. You just say what you need to say. You don't say, obviously, what we, you don't need to say or what you should avoid saying. You do just what you need to do, regardless of whether your thinking mind ever thought you might be able to do whatever that is or not. You see, people who are in flow are having superhuman experiences all of the time. What we need to do is make the choice to ensure that we grow the number of times during the course of the day where we are experiencing those superhuman powers so that ultimately we are in flow to the extent that we are feeling that way and experiencing that way most of the time or perhaps almost all of the time. This is an interesting point because I was asked last week on our program owners Zoom what I was talking about effectively when I talked about being in flow because the individual in question had read some research. I've read the same research or at least, or whether it's research or not, it's kind of pop psychology or popular psychology, that you can't be focused for more than 90 minutes. What did I think of that? Because that sits opposite to what I've just said in relation to being in flow most of the time or perhaps almost all of the time. And the point I made was the minutes on the clock are irrelevant. If they were relevant, time wouldn't stand still or slow down when you're experiencing this flow. As I said a minute ago, that's a well-documented phenomenon. Focus or being in flow, because actually they're synonymous. Focus or being in flow is a moment-to-moment -moment thing. You don't measure it in minutes and hours. You experience it in nows. I'm going to repeat that sentence. You don't measure your flow in minutes and hours. You experience it in moments. It's all about experience. And you might be in flow one moment and be reacting to something that used to drive you bonkers a few years ago. The next moment. The question is, what are you going to do about it? We're back to what I said a few minutes ago. You're an adult. Grow up. Take responsibility for your own state of mind. It is the only thing over which you have absolute control in this life of yours. It's amazing. I was working with a team of people for the last two weeks, and the stress that was being generated in their organization by their worrying about things over which they have no control. We're frantically trying to, and I'm quoting another conversation that I had a couple of days ago, we're frantically trying to gain control of our lives and find security in our lives. There's no such thing as either of those two things. You can control nothing other than your own state of mind, and there's no such thing as security. If I go back to what I said a few minutes ago in relation to this breath that you're taking and how you need to appreciate it. 
I can extend that ever so slightly to a comment made to our online program owners group in another Zoom about four weeks ago, maybe six weeks ago, when one of the group said, I've come to appreciate this breath. And in my deep appreciation of this breath, I don't know whether I'll have another breath. You see the point I'm making? It's experience in moments, and it is ensuring that in each moment you are fully immersed in what you are doing and that you are experiencing flow as a result. When you begin to develop your ability to control your own state of mind, you have an enormous influence over everything that is going on around you because now you're a player in the universe by harmonizing the electromagnetic flow of your own energy, you're harmonized with the universal environment in which you find yourself. And therefore your energy talks to universal energy and universal energy responds. If I don't turn up in any situation because I'm worried that I'm nothing to worry about or I'm frustrated because I'm frustrated or I'm not appreciating the moment, or I am worried about something over which I have no control. If I don't turn up, in other words, if my thinking mind has muddied the waters of my experience of the here and now, I'm not harmonious. My energy is not flowing freely. I'm in contact with nothing other than a bundle of thoughts that have been pillorying me for the last, in my case, over 50 years at this stage. That's madness. The question then becomes, if we are only human, and, you know, that's debatable because I know people who most of the time are superhuman as a result of their taking control of their own state of mind. But for the vast majority of people, and including the vast majority of people on this journey to become more aware, more self-aware, more present in the here and now, of course we're all only human. So if we are only human, and we are impeded by our thinking mind or actually divorced from reality by our thinking mind in a particular moment as a result of perhaps an old habit coming back. An awful lot of people get stressed out about their falling into ways that they had thought they left behind. They tell me, you know, the old habits are back. My old addictions are back. And my answer to them always is, yeah, but what are you going to do about it? Are you going to roll over and let it happen again? Or are you, as a result of your being aware of it, or being aware of reacting to somebody, or being aware of being stressed out as a result of something that you think is going on, are you going to roll over and be only human? Or are you going to take a pause, take a breath and appreciate it, and realize that actually, in reality, as a result of the work that you have done on yourself through restructuring your brain, you're not only human, you're superhuman. And the more you experience being superhuman, the less you experience the moments when you fall back into your old ways or find yourself falling back into the patterned ways in which the thinking mind had run your life up to the time that you started out on this journey. The key point I'm making is that you have a choice. Everybody has a choice. 
you know you have a choice. That puts you in a different league, by the way, to the vast majority of people on this planet who have rolled over, have succumbed to worry, stress, anxiety, panic attacks, fear, all born out of the fact that they're not aware that they have a choice to stop allowing their thinking mind beat the living crap out of them every minute of every day. You're aware that you have a choice because we're sitting here talking about it. Well, I'm talking about it. You're listening about it. You're aware that you have a choice. What are you doing to make sure that you exercise that choice? Not tomorrow morning when you meditate. Now, what are you doing about it? The first thing we can all do is come back to an appreciation, as I said earlier on, of what we have. And the manner in which there's a lot of stuff that we think we want in our lives that we actually don't need. Or perhaps the stuff that we think we want in our lives that if we stopped to appreciate what we have, we might realize we already have what we think we want. I had a conversation with somebody a couple of days ago in relation to their dream, their teenage dream of being an artist. And they're now working in a nine to five job. Actually, the job they're working in is more like eight to seven. And, you know, a couple of years ago, they would have begun to realize that that was not good for either mind or body. That's what we've been talking about. And they began to take stock. And by that, I mean, take moments to appreciate what they have. The individual in question realized that the people who employ him at the moment have, over the last number of years, commissioned him to paint works of art for their various offices, so that he's actually being paid very well, and he is the thing that he always wanted to be. He hadn't realized he was the thing that he wanted to be. He hadn't realized that, actually, as things stand in his life right now, he is quote unquote, living the dream. He has his ideal world right here and now. Now, people will immediately say, hold on, you've used an unrealistic word. Nobody has their ideal life. Well, you know what? If I'm sitting here recording this, breathing in and out, appreciating the fact that I'm breathing in and out, and as a result of appreciating my breath for the last 32, 33 years that I've been practicing this, appreciating the fact that I am alive in the here and now, as a result of which my body is performing like it never performed in the previous 64 years in my life. If I'm doing that moment to moment here and now, can I honestly say that I want for more? Uh, had an interesting video, or at least I thought was interesting. And a couple of other people did too. A couple of weeks ago, it was entitled, There's a Want in Me. Now, it's the Thursday morning video. If you don't get the Thursday morning video, you should sign up for the Thursday morning video. There's 800 and something of them at this stage, dating all the way back to 2008. But the point I was making was that people are going around saying to themselves, I want, I want, I want. Now, the fact of the matter is, and we've discussed this before, that people saying that aren't articulating what they want. They're articulating what they think they want. And the problem is that as they articulate it themselves, 
their inner self, their subconscious mind, what psychology calls the constant observer, is listening. So it's all glass half empty stuff. It's all I want, I want, I want. Whereas if you actually stopped right now and appreciate what you have, you might realize that you have your ideal world right now. Or if you don't have your ideal world right now, if you're not experiencing your ideal life right now, is it because of external events or is it because of what you think of external events? Is it because of how you react to external events? Is it because of how you behave towards others who are obviously external to you as well? The point I'm making is that your experience of the here and now is dictated by whether or not you're in control of your own state of mind. Flow and the ability to be present and do just what you need to do with the minimum of effort is dictated by the state of mind, not in which you find yourself in the here and now, but the state of mind in which you have deliberately taken steps to put yourself. So what are you doing to appreciate what you have right now? I was talking to somebody a few weeks ago and they were moaning about how the organization that they work for abuses them. And I said to them, do you get paid for this or do you do it for nothing? They said, of course I get paid for it. I said, do you get paid a lot? They said, yes, I, I get paid big bucks. I said, so it's not all bad for starters. Sure it isn't. Do you not appreciate the fact that you get big books? They said, oh, I never looked upon it like that. Now, there is an insight into how we experience life. It is how we look upon things. We need to change the lens. Or we need to take the lenses away completely. I was talking to somebody a few days ago. I had just come in from the garden where I was watering my cabbage plants. And this is not a gardening podcast. There's a point to this. And I said to the individual in question, the sun is shining outside. My plants need some water. Everything is very dry out there at the moment. I am caring for my cabbages. I am allowing the sun shine on my cabbages. I am allowing the reality of the moment to feed the reality of the moment. But when we think, we take the lens that I mentioned a minute ago, we take a magnifying glass and hold it over the leaf of the cabbage plant and the sun that would otherwise nourish it and make it grow, dries it, burns it, kills it. The lens of thought through which we look at our here and now, if we are only human and haven't taken control of our state of mind, is frying us, literally killing us as we speak. You need to ensure that you see, feel, hear, smell and taste, experience the wonderful reality of the moment with no lens. This is all down to the decisions, the choices that you make moment to moment. As I said earlier on, the fact that the way in which the brain evolved means that the autopilot will make these choices for you automatically. 
is no excuse for you not taking control of your own state of mind. And if you lose control of your state of mind at any moment in time and become frustrated or annoyed or react to somebody else, it doesn't matter. What matters is what you do next and whether or not you are big enough and bold enough and responsible enough to take the step to bring you back to experiencing the moment, which means the moment in which you might have lost the head is past. It's your life. It's your choice. You've been listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go. To get involved, join me in my Facebook group, strangely enough called To Succeed, Just Let Go. And for more information, visit www.willie-horton.com.